Good morning. Another lovely chilly morning in Maryland. It's about 627 and about 27 degrees outside. Light dusting of frost on all of the cars. It's coming, brother. Winter is coming and it won't be too long now before these morning walks involve the crunching of feet. I'm gonna have to change my shoes. Right now I have the Vibram five-fingered shoes that everybody makes fun of. They're supposed to be really good for walking. And yeah, I guess it's Vibram five-fingered shoes are just an excuse for being able to walk around barefoot without people getting mad at you. They're just a little skin around your feet. They do keep the wind off, so I guess like little windbreakers for your feet. But they don't do a whole lot about the cold and they do nothing about cold water. So, I'm gonna need to upgrade my game as we get colder, I think. Or rather, as we get wet. And this being Maryland, I expect there will be at least a couple of months where it is nothing but wet. Nothing but, brother. I'm telling you, it's gonna be... It's gonna be flippin' miserable. I don't think I could have chosen a better time to start out this morning walk stuff than early November. Still got the last vestiges of warmth. Still have the lovely autumn colors. Gives you every reason to say, I'm gonna do this. Then you get into the habit. And when the awful cold comes, you go like, oh, but I got a habit now. Gotta keep doing it. Speaking of which, I hit 199.6 today, 199 pounds and a half. This is important because as near as I can remember, I gotta go back looking through logs and stuff because I I don't really track this, but uh, as near as I can remember, I haven't been below 200 pounds in three or four years. And I'm not really even all that hungry. So that's cool. I got that going for me. Woohoo! I'll tell you something else. There's a Chinese place near where I work. They don't know me by name. They know me as Mr. Shrimp Lo Main. And uh, I have not been by there in weeks. Maybe months. I don't know. Come on to the right, Jasper. Got somebody coming. I have Mr. Jasper with me today, which of course you can't see any better than you can see anything else. (sighs) 
morning. So, uh, got up this morning, did my thousand words. You know what's really cool about the thousand words? When I do that, when I get up at 5 a.m., sit down, just write for an hour, get my thousand words done, and then start my day. You know, I talk about how that's extra, that's secret, that's tucked away. It's 20,000 words that I just don't tell anybody about, except obviously I'm telling you guys. But, um, but the really cool thing is, it doesn't feel like I'm waking up. I mean, it doesn't feel like my day has started. I don't really think about like, all right, I got to get my email. I got to get my chores done. Got to get to work. Yeah, I don't think of any of that stuff. It's just like, sort of, all right, this time is for this purpose only. And it's not like a dedication thing. It's just sort of, it's 5 a.m. Let's get some writing done. Okay, computer lady just said I did a mile in 10 minutes. So I'm guessing that means the GPS is off because I know for a fact I don't do it in less than 17, 16 minutes. So we're just going to let crazy lady be, keep on being crazy. I got a pretty good feel for what two miles is anyway, so so we're good. Anyway, um, yeah, it's the damnedest thing. I I get up in the morning and I sit down at the computer and it doesn't feel like I've started my day yet. It doesn't feel like the day is real yet. And the wild part is, once I get to like going to work and all that, I've almost completely forgotten about this part of the day. It's kind of like meditation, which seems like a stretch, but it's, you know, they say it's calming. It really feels like it's non-time. Like it just doesn't count. You sit down to meditate, and if you're good at really relaxing and just letting go, 10 minutes will seem the same as an hour. And then when you get up, you don't think like, oh man, I lost an hour. You just feel like I just sat down. And yeah, feel calmer, more centered, all that kind of stuff. But you feel like I just sat down. I can stretch that feeling over two hours. I mean, once I'm done with this walk, I'm going to start my day. And then it's going to feel like I've actually started my day. This before that is just a routine that doesn't stick in my head as something I've done, which is the wildest part. I'm getting a certain amount of health with the daily walk. I'm getting an opportunity to air out ideas, think stuff through, chatting with you guys. I, I get a thousand words every day, which is no bad thing in itself. But in addition to all that, it doesn't 
wear on me. I don't feel like, oh man, I've been working for so long. I wrote all these words and I walked all this distance. Because man, by 8 o'clock, it's just like, alright, my day has started. You know? Alright, anyway. It's one of those, you don't feel time moving the same at different times. And I, I just find that stuff fascinating. So anyway, uh, let's see. Got my thousand words. Oh, I noticed something weird. Remember yesterday I said I was writing an action scene? I meant to introduce these, uh, these characters to each other. Basically, get them to react off of each other, get them to be okay for the rest of the trek, that kind of thing, and ended up with, you know, instead of the three of them meet in a room, shake hands, that kind of thing, I said, all right, one of them parachutes out of the sky. No, trust me, it fits the story. One of them parachutes out of the sky and gets caught on the lightning rod for a tall building. So now he's trapped up there. The tall building is an abandoned townhouse. So the other two characters are running up there trying to save him, shimmying along a ledge, tying a guide wire, all this kind of stuff. And it was supposed to be, you know, a thousand, maybe two thousand words where you get an idea for their relationship to each other. And now it's turned into 3,600 words of this action scene with them hanging on the side of a building trying to save this guy and witty banter and all that kind of stuff. So, that's kind of odd. I mean, when you think about it, if I have 90,000 words in the book altogether, then that 3,000 words is, what, 1%? I just spent 1% of the novel with them meeting each other? Of course, that's a kind of negative way to look at it. A more positive way is to say, took a beat for an action scene, and action scenes are always fun, especially if you get something resolved, something changed from it, which I think I'm doing, <sighs> building up the love triangle, which is weird. I'm building up this love triangle. I don't even know if I want it. I don't even know if it'll work. <sighs> I've got this main character, and I've basically thrown several different types of women at him. And it's not that he doesn't like women, but I put him in situations where it's not really... I mean, he's got so much he's worrying about. He's not worrying about that. And none of the women, I say I threw them at him. None of them are exactly throwing themselves at him. Everybody's busy, but I've surrounded him with lots of potentials. And I kind of did that because I thought, you know, set up some kind of choice. Not as obvious as, you know, one of them's going to fall in the lava if you don't pick the other one kind of thing. But just basically, who do you want to spend your life with? And 
put him in a situation where he has lots and lots of choices. All of them good people, noble, kind, friendly, smart. Totally different walks of life. Totally different political leanings. All of them. All of them would probably be good friends with each other if they could get over the superficial stuff. Like status and political orientation, that kind of thing. Anyway, I'm afraid it's going to start being obvious. Wow, we're surrounding this guy with lots of eligible women. What a quinkadink. But I've never really done love stories before, so. So I'm just letting it happen naturally. We'll see what comes of it. Makes me start wondering if I'm actually <clears throat> giving some sort of view into my own psyche. I mean, by saying that, saying Brand is clearly twisted because he believes in a world populated with available women and unable to make a decision. Got some serious Rorschach stuff going on there. Anyway. What else? Let's see. I got my thousand words. What did we do last night? Last night, I uh, recorded chapter 12. I love recording for the new Dizzy. In, uh, in the first part of uh, Invito Rex, I basically make him a reactor. He, the first thing he does is he talks to the Dowager Queen, and that was his decision. He made the appointment, he showed up, he was the one who was in charge of all that. But just about everything after that is him trying to keep up. He's reacting to things over and over again. Even when he screws up at the uh, game of circus, he's not screwing up because he was, uh, you know, because he decided to strike out. That was just a reaction. That was a reaction to getting frustrated at being told there's an expert here do what the expert says, and his pride. And so he's reacting to them more than anything. And of course, that's what leads him to take on a debt that will eventually cause the Civil War. Anyway. Let us hit the button. Anyway, 
So, uh, yeah, he's reacting for most of the story. And then in chapter 11, he just basically sees so much, so much of this for so long. He actually does something really despicable. He acts really horrible to one of his wards. And uh, in doing so, feels really bad about it. Why is that blinking? Did I miss my walk signal? I bet I did. <sighs> I wasn't even looking that way. Alright, I got video. I'm totally coming back to this. Blinking stop does not mean walk. And everybody's waiting. Alright, now we gotta stop. That one's going yellow, that one's going red. These people are turning. And you know what? As soon as they're gone, I'm heading off. Alright, let's go. These people are stopped. We are going. Right now, the kids on the school bus are being told, you see what that dangerous man's doing? And they're right. Sorry, it just occurred to me, some of you are only getting this through audio. Um, an alien ship just landed in front of me, and uh, I hit buttons on it, and it started flashing red. And uh, school kids were driving by in a bus, and they said, no, don't do it. And I said, yes, I'm totally going to hit that button anyway. So, now you're brought up. Now you're up to speed. There we go, green light. And someone's parked over it. Oh, now we got 20 seconds. I wonder if that was what that guy honked at me for. Saying like, hey, you've got a green light and it only lasts two seconds, you better go. I was wondering if he was honking at me. I don't even know who it was that honked. Anyway, getting back to the story. So, uh, Dizzy is basically reacting to everything. He's not acting on anything. I mean, he's not making a choice. He's, he's making lots of decisions, but he's not making a choice. Until chapter 11. And at that point, he chooses the pan route. He says, I am not going to be the kind of king Cadvin was. I am not going to be the kind of king you are expecting. I am not King Augustus III. I am King Dizzy. And I'm going to be one crazy madcap freak. So now, he has no problems moving around these people, telling them this is how I actually want things done. And he starts making some good decisions, makes a clever plot, which ultimately, as the voice of fate, I then destroy. Sorry, plot. 
and uh, yeah, it's more fun writing for him when he's like this. And I'll tell you, it's not going to always be like that. But when he's in that kind of hyper, kind of manic mode, he's certainly more fun. And in chapter 12, I got a chance to see him, to record for him, walking into the security briefing and owning the room. He walks in and he says, okay, everybody, I've decided we're going to go for peace, all peace, 24-7, nothing but peace. They all look at him like he's insane. And then they look at his chief of staff and he's just like, okay, now I know where I stand. Tells him someday I'm going to give you an order that seems just that ridiculous. But you're going to believe in me. And you're not going to look for permission from my chief of staff. That was a good scene. He makes a serious enemy out of Lord Wilde, though. Which, of course, sows the seeds for the next civil war. I hope I'm not giving spoilers. I mean, if you've kept up with Invita Rex, then, well, then I probably am giving some spoilers by talking about Cup First King. I'm really tempted to sound like I'm going to give away something really important just as a school bus drives by. Sort of like what no one realizes is that Dizzy's father is really... And then he... But of course you'll never have figured that out from just reading the book. That's right. Fun with Foley, kids. Oh, look at that. One cool person who recognizes what a crosswalk is for. Thank you, cool person. My dog thanks you, and I thank you as well. You carry the thanks of a grateful nation. Go on, you honorable person in your Honda Civic. Go on to glory. As you can tell, I'm kind of in a weird mood. Let's see, what else? Had to do some renter stuff. You know, invoices and things. What else? Not much, really. Allie made a really great dinner. She has recently stumbled upon this fun thing she likes to do, which, all right, she's going to make food that is paleo healthy, vegetables, 
meats, low carb, if not no carb. So I come home yesterday and she's making fried rice. I don't say anything. Just like, okay, fried rice, whatever. And uh, after dinner, she says, how did you like it? And I'm like, well, it was very good. Thank you. And uh, it was a little odd. Had something like eggs, I think. It had the texture of eggs, but it really didn't taste like eggs. She was like, that's because it's just egg whites. But everything else was okay. And I can sense the trap closing in on me. But there's no real way out of it because if I do guess what it is, then I jeopardize her moment of reveal, and I don't want to do that. So I play the straight man and go like, yes, it was wonderful. Thank you very much. And then she said something like, the rice was actually shredded cauliflower. Dun, dun, dun. And I'm like, oh, you tricked me. I thought I was getting carbs, but instead I was getting cauliflower. Oh, you clever, clever duck. Okay, Jasper, sit, stay. You're gonna look pretty for the picture. Stay. Let's see. Jasper's a good boy. There we go. Good boy. Someday, I'm going to get a picture with the dogs and the fountain and the ducks. That'll be kind of cool. There's one duck out there who uh, has his tongue hanging out. I mean, like, all the time. When I say all the time, I mean he's been doing that for three years, as far as I know. Unless it's a different dog. A uh, duck. Dog, sorry. I just saw this big, what is that, an Akita? Husky? Hard to tell. Anyway, saw a big dog on the other side of the man-made lake. So, uh, let's see, where was I? So yeah, she's started doing that. It's just like, we'll have spaghetti and meat sauce. And I'm like, this is lovely spaghetti. And she's like, oh, it's shredded something melon. And I'm like, oh, you've caught me again with your clever culinary capers. There we go, clever culinary capers. I don't know why I love alliteration so, but I do, I truly do. <sighs> so anyway, let's see, it's dinner, not a lot else really. Got down to below 200 pounds. Told you about that. I gotta pick a new game. 
I just finished Dishonored, and I'm so ticked at the way it ended. Their judgmental tongue clicking of a ending. Not even an ending, it's their entire gameplay choice. I'm not going to get into it again. For that, please see, what, yesterday's episode, the day before, something like that. I go off on Dishonored on that one. So you don't need that. Anyway, um, but I gotta pick a new game. The uh, previews for that new, what is it, Call of Duty Ghosts? Previews look pretty good. Have like standard tactical combat and then suddenly you're on a spaceship. I think I saw a pirate ship on there. Anyway, that looks good. Allie thinks I should be playing that one. I don't know. Robo Woman just said from my butt pocket that we have reached two miles. But as we expressed earlier, Robo Woman is clearly insane. We do not accept suggestions from clearly insane people today. If you've got any suggestions, current video games that you think would be fun that I might not have seen before and would like to play, please give me a shout at brandg at gmail.com. I welcome all suggestions. Or, if you're viewing the YouTube video, leave a comment. There's my self-promotion for the day. I'll tell you, the hard thing is just not going back to Borderlands 2. I've been playing that game for like a year and a half, and I still love it so. And they got a new Thanksgiving module coming up. The throttle waddle extravaganza something. It's another Torg story. I gotta admit, I don't like Torg quite as much as I like Tina. And you kind of have to compare them to one another because they seem to get about the same amount of screen time. But Tiny Tina is so awesome. Anyway. So yeah, they got a Torg Thanksgiving thing. And it'll probably be cool. But it'll probably also be like the Halloween one where you play it for two or three hours and go like, okay, got it, done, move on. I may not be being fair because I know they put a lot of work into level design, new skins, textures, recording. I know what goes into making an add-on like that. So I respect that effort. I respect the hell out of it. I'm just saying that as a game player, well, we are a much more pushy lot. And we are like to say, that's it.
Dishonored is another good example of that. You get to the end of the game and you go like, oh, okay, so there was like three levels in the entire thing. Great. And I know I'm not being fair, but that's how it feels. Feels like there were three big rooms that they've created. And that's about it. Just got the low battery warning. I think I've walked way more than two miles total at this point. Actually, probably around two miles at this point, but it'll end up being 2.2 or something. So, yay. Morning. Extra long episode today, I guess. You know, there's a uh, character in Borderlands 2. You never see him. You only hear him through the audio logs. And uh, he basically shows up at Marcus's uh, business. And he goes like, Hello, fans. I am here to tell you about this great place that I've come to in Pandora. It is kind of a hole, but I enjoy this store. And Marcus is all, It is you. You are the one. You are the one spoken of by the ancients, a man who came from complete obscurity. Uh, excuse me, I have three million subscribers. A man of great renown who came upon us, and he would buy this weapon to defeat the evil Jack and win the heart of Moxie. But really? Ah, uh, okay, all right, give me the gun, give me the gun. I will fight for Moxie's hand. And, uh, there you go. That was the intro to The One, performed as a one-act play by Brand Gamblin. You're welcome. But yeah, this character, basically, he's completely gulled by Marcus into buying a gun, because Marcus is a weapons seller. So, duh. And uh, he believes that he's going to go out and become the hero of the land. And, of course, he gets basically chewed up by Pandora. Because that's what Pandora does to people who aren't ready. And um, you find out his his story by getting all of these audio logs. Because he's recording them as he goes. Hello, fans. I am now tracing through the dangers of the crater of badassitude. That kind of thing. And I gotta admit, when I walk along like this, talking into Google Glass, I kind of feel the same way. I feel like like it's an ego thing. And I really hope, I think that's why I chatter, because I'm afraid I'm wasting your time. I really hope I'm not wasting your time. But, you know, people keep turning in. I keep turning up. They keep listening. They, I got viewers every day on the YouTube thing. And hello to all of you guys. Thank you so much for watching. So, it's a good thing. I'm just nervous that I'm 
not going to provide enough interesting stuff. And you know what? We got all the way back here, and I totally forgot. I was going to talk about the uh, YouTube G Plus integration thing, what it means to me, and calls for Cthulhu, and all the stuff that I've seen from Lamar Wilson, and I, Justine, and stuff like that. I had all this stuff I want to talk about, and I completely forget it. Every single time, I completely forget it until I'm like, you know, a couple hundred feet away from the house. So it's like I've got just enough time to start making a good argument. And let me tell you, the start of any good argument is a bad argument. If you just start talking, you're going to be wrong. It's going to be really funny when this suddenly clips out, just as I'm talking about how I can't make a full argument. But yeah, low battery, so I may lose you very soon. We're at 37 minutes, so we're pushing the limit anyway. So hopefully I will talk to you guys tomorrow.